All right, are you ready? We're going to talk about some things today, and I thought this would probably be a good day. And then the word of the Lord came by our little prophet over there, love not the world, neither the things that's in the world. He said what? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We're bombarded by the world on every side. I don't know if y'all noticed, his May kind of a month that everybody gets bombarded because it's a finishing up of something, and it just seemed like there's something going on all the time. So there's a lot of casting all your cares upon him, and those cares of the word in the Greek is distractions. There's lots of mass distractions going on right now. <clears throat> so we have to stay fo- focused. Father, we thank you for your word today, and Lord, we just ask you to help us to see clearly the path you set before us. We know there's many paths leading off, but Lord, we want to see the right path that you've called us to go, and we pray, Lord, not only for the the graduating seniors, but every one of us, Lord. You said, ponder the path of your foot. Ponder, consider the path of your foot. And Father, we just thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. First John 2.15, what does it say? Love not the world, neither the things that's in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not of the Father, but is the world of the world. And what does it say about the world? They pass away. They will pass away. But what? If you believe in him, it never passes away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You know, we've entered into that promised land. And I was thinking about the promised land, the children of Israel were going to. And in the promised land, what was the goal of the promised land? Rest from their enemies. That was the goal. How many of you, wouldn't you like to have a little rest from the enemies? But you know, one of the things that was promised in Luke chapter 1, Zacharias, the prophet, uh, John the Baptist's dad, was prophesying here in Luke 1, in verse 71, and he says that God promised the horn of salvation to be raised up in his servant David. And verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from all the hand of those that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember his covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, Father Abraham, that he would grant to us that we, being delivered, I want you to see that, past tense, out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Not when we get to heaven. When is that? All the days of our life. That's part of the covenant. To deliver us from our enemies. But you know when the children of Israel came in, I mean, if you know there was a few enemies still left in the promised land, he left a few giants to train them, didn't he? They still had to go in and possess the land. Now, I'm telling you, it's still the same with old man and new man. The land is still needs to be possessed, but there's a few enemies sitting, camping on your inheritance. And you've got to kick them out. You know, this, this whole spiritual warfare thing is a real deal. And so we want to look at that today. And I've got seven giants standing in the way of your agape rest. Now, here is Eros manifestation. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's Eros. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. There's something in every one of us that we got from Adam when we was born. And this is what it does. And you're bombarded with it everywhere you go, especially these kids. The first giant is you want to look good. Everybody wants to look good. You want to feel good. You want to be right. There's something in that old thing that wants to be right. It wants to stay in control. Number five, it has a hidden agenda. Number six, it's a personal advantage. And number seven, 
want to be undisturbed. Let me read it again. You want to look good, feel good, be right, stay in control, hidden agenda, personal advantage, and undisturbed. All of these are enemies of your agape love. Because it's all about what? Me. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, you see just the opposite when he talks about love. Though I speak with tongues of men's and angels and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And though I, give the, I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Charity suffers long in its kind. Charity or love envies not. Love vaunts not itself up, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. What does it do? It seeks not its own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Say that. Love never fails. But whether they be prophecies, they will fail. Whether they be tongues, they will cease. Whether they be knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I'm also known. Now by the faith, hope, and charity are love. These three. But the greatest is love. The greatest is love. Why? God is love. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by what? The Holy Ghost that he's given us. You know, there's a way that seemeth right unto man. But the end thereof are what? The ways of death. Romans 8.28. Look with me in Romans 8.28. Hallelujah. We're going to see some of these things that we have to battle all, all the time. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. See, he has a purpose. Remember what God said in Jeremiah? I know the plans I have for you. Plans to do you good, not to do you evil. And he knew us, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse, first verse, that God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen by God to be what he called you to be. For whom he did foreknow. Did he foreknow? He also did predestine. And that's a big old word there. It just means predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What? Firstborn among what? Many more, just like the, first, the second one. The second Adam. And he says, Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he called. Whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. So what shall we say now? If God be for you, who what? Who can be against you? Oh, isn't that good? What shall we say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us some things? All things. Freely give us all things. That means freely. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is it he that condemns? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen. Is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? I mean, with all that's going on, what can go wrong? Not much. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril of sword? Who can separate us? 
As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say amen. amen. But you know what I used to say? But I can. I can. I can separate us. But you know what? I'm not that important. I can't separate us either. Too much of the time, we think we can do that, but we can't. We cannot be separated from the love of God because that which is born of God, what? Is of God. And it's impossible for it to be separated from God. Amen? You know, we see that sometimes it's easy to lose sight of what God's plans and purposes for us. Do you have a vision? I was talking to a pastor this while ago, and he was talking about having pastor's meetings, and they had the, the year goals and the six-month goals and the three-month goals, and what is your plan for this? You know, there's a scripture in, in Isaiah in the Message Bible that says, meetings, meetings, meetings. I'm tired of your meetings, God said. I'm sick of your meetings. I can't stand another one of your meetings. All these plans and all these purposes and all this stuff you're doing, but you know what? The Bible says what? Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thought of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. And don't say tomorrow you're going to do this because you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. If God permits, you'll do this. So let's don't forget his plans and purposes. In Proverbs, what does it say? Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. All right. But the Amplified says something I like. Where there's no redemptive revelation. See, everything has to do with the redemptive revelation of what Christ has already done for us. Everything fits in his vision, not our vision. It's not about our vision or our plans. It's our plans and purposes that he had for us and is having for us now. That's all that really matters. So we've got to see that. You know, in Luke chapter 22, but we have a part to play in this. And I want to talk to you about this today. That we can't overlook it. There's a responsibility, like I said to Paige while ago. These, these seniors, when you get out there and leave home, you're on your own to make your plans and your decisions. But there's consequences that goes with those decisions. Right. You've got to think, you know. And so here in Luke chapter 22, let me start reading in verse 14. It says, And when the hour was come, he sat down with the twelve apostles. And he said to them, With desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I, before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat of thereof until you be, it be fulfilled in the kingdom. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, and he divided among them. And he said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and he gave it to them. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise the cup after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me and on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as was determined. As was what? Determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them uh, would do such thing. And there was also strife among them. Okay, let's catch this. Right in the middle of communion, there was also strife among them of which of them should be counted the greatest. Now here's this rascal showing up that we've been talking about, this old soul thing. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Right in the midst of the greatest thing that was fixing to happen, here this thing shows up, which of them is going to be the greatest? How many of you have seen that conflict? When you're right in the middle of something God's doing, all of a sudden this other thing shows up. Is there anybody out there? It's called a mass distraction. 
Who's going to be the greatest? And see, that's all rooted in that old self-life. And then he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But, but ye shall not be so. What does he say? But he that's greatest among you, let him be your young as the younger. And he that's chief as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sets at meat or he that serveth, is not he that setteth at meat. But I am one that is as the served servant. You, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit upon the thrones, judging the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. But right in the midst of that, then he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, he may sift you. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. What was he praying for him? That his faith would not fail. What does James talk about? The trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at his appearing. Count it all joy when you fall into different trials, and knowing the trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perish. See, there's, he's after your faith. Faith in what? Faith in what he's done for you. He don't want you to see the full implications of what he's done for you. So Satan, he said to, to Simon, Satan has desired to have you. Why? But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. When you're converted, what does that word converted mean? It means to go back to who you were. Go back to you. Remember when Jesus said that to Peter, who am I? And he said, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven. He hardly got that out of his mouth. When Jesus started talking about having to be crucified, and Peter said, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And he turned and rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Because you savor us not the things that be of God, but the things that be of this world, be of man. Peter was always thinking in his mind what he was. He's second in command. He's going to, all this stuff's going to happen. And the only reason Judas went out to betray Jesus because he had the money bag and he was heard that he was going to set up a kingdom and he's going to have the treasure of the whole thing. Now here Jesus started talking about something that wasn't on his agenda. You see how this whole thing is always constantly there working, trying to get you off track of who you are. But what he said, I pray that your faith will not fail you. It'll hold you in times of trouble. And when you're converted, when you come back to your right thinking, strengthen your brethren. Exhort one another how often? Daily. Lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of what? Sins. For we are made partakers of him. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What is the beginning of your confidence? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the end of your confidence? Christ in you, the hope of his glory. It's all about him. It's not about us. So we see that. All right. We look here, and I want to look to you. Okay. In Philippians, he says this in chapter Philippians chapter 2. I told Freddie I wasn't going to get through with this today. I don't think I'm going to make it. Philippians chapter 2. He says in verse 1, If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill you my joy, that you may what kind of minded? Like-minded. Like-minded. What is he saying? Having the same love, God's love, being of one accord and one mind. See the unity? That's what it's all about. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Where does strife and vainglory come from? What did James say? When strife, jealousy, envy, and strife is, this, this is not from heaven. It is earthly, it's soulish, it's demonic. That's where this whole thing comes in. Every single one of us has this battle going on that we have to battle to sort through all the thoughts and things. And remember one thing.
Bring into captivity what? Every thought comes through your mind is either demonic or it's of God. There's no third party here. So you have to be accountable and, and responsible for those thoughts when they come through. And so he goes on to say like this. All right. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. How many of you have tried that in the old man? Trying to esteem somebody else better than yourselves. How many of you have had much luck doing that? It don't work. Because the old man's too selfish and too self-centered and too greedy. Because it's all about me. You owe, yourself a, you owe it to yourself. Do yourself a favor. You only go around once and all the other stuff the world's feeding you. It's all about you. Well, it's not all about you. Now, he said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. It was. He was God. And he come down here to be man. He took upon himself what? We'll read on here. Look not on every man on his own thing, but things of others. Let this mind. What is the word? Let. Do you have a decision to make here? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ, who being in the form thought it not robbery with equal with God, made himself no reputation. Boy, now that's a killer. And took upon himself the form of a servant. I mean, they want to sign up for that. No reputation, the form of a servant. This is the mind that you need to let be in you. Okay. And he says, Made in likeness of man and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Because of that, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every thing's in heaven and in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is that a good deal? And he goes on to say here, look with me across there in verse 21. Says, verse 20, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got those verses circled. Paul's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking about the church. He's saying, in the church, I have nobody that actually gives a rip about you. They're all seeking their own things, not the things that's Jesus Christ. See, when you get into that old <clears throat> Eros mentality, it's all about you. It's self-centered, it's self-seeking, and it's all about you. Now, see, you got to work at not letting that mind be in you that it's all about me and what I want. You really have to work on this other one. Where he says what? I have no man who naturally cares for your state. All seek their own. Not the things that are Jesus Christ. Amen? Matthew chapter 21. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 28 says, What think you? A certain man had two sons, and he came to one son and said, Go to work in my vineyard. And he answered said, I will not. But afterward repented and went. And he came to the second and said, He answered and said, I go, and said the same to the, the second. And he said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether the twain or the two did the will of the Father. And they said the first. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That the public and the harlots will go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came preaching to you the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye saw it, repented not afterward that ye might believe. Which did the will? The one that did the will of the Father. Which one? The one that said no but went. And so there is a place here where you have to choose who you're going to serve. You, you is a, there's a choice in this thing that you've got to make every day. 
Every day, you have to choose. <coughs> Isn't that staggering? He said the harlots and the sinners will go into the kingdom before you. All right, Matthew twenty four forty five. says in verse 45, Who then is that faithful and wise servant? Now I want you to catch those two words. Faithful and what? Wise. Now, they're all servants, but these are faithful and wise. Whom the Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them the meat and due season. season. Blesses that servant whom when the Lord comes he'll find doing. Verily I say to you, he will make him ruler over his whole house. But I want you to see the difference here. We're talking about arrows. We're talking about an old heart and a good heart. Remember, we have two hearts. God give us a new heart. We have an old heart. And that good one is that faithful and wise heart. You see the difference? All right. And he, and he, he says him. But he said, that evil servant said in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. That's that old heart. And he begins to smite his fellow servants and eat and drink and get drunken. And the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him, an hour when he's not aware and he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, there's consequences for your actions. I don't know what the consequences are, but you can choose to go one way or the other. You do have a choice. And this is the point as we're walking in this newness of life, we're walking in the old man and new man exchange. You've got to realize we have a responsibility to choose this day. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And not trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh will never get you to walk in the Spirit. You've got to take the positive side and walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. Now, where were we going? Matthew what? What did I say? 24. Matthew 24. And I want to start in verse 45. It says, who is that faithful? Okay, now, I want to go on down to 25 now. 25. Verse 1. Okay. See, now, remember here, don't forget what we just read. It's leading up to what we're fixing to start with, right? There's a faithful and a wise. There's a, there's a faithful and a good one, and then there's an evil. Right. All right, now, here we got, same thing, keep that in mind. Then is the kingdom of heaven likened to ten virgins. Now, they're all virgins, right? All right. He, that, and he says, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bride. Five were wise and five were foolish. Do you remember what we just read earlier? You got the wise, then you got the foolish. But they were all virgins. All right. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They wasn't prepared. The wise took oil in their vessels with the lamp, and while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. Then those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in to him to marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say, I know you not. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. You see what he's saying here? But what did they say? Go to them that buy and sell. Do you know what this word means there? Eric said it well ago when he's taken up the offering. Go buy from those that sell. And you know what that really means? Those that exchange. It's a barter system. 
Go to those that exchange, and you go exchange something for oil. You with me? See, it's not like you're thinking here. It's a barter system. And a barter system means you exchange one thing for another. You got me? Go to those that exchange and get what you need so you can be ready. Okay, hear me. Because that's what he's saying there. Go to those that exchange. Make the exchange so you'll be ready when he comes. Okay. So we, we see that's what he's saying. But what does he say here? You remember in, in Isaiah chapter 50, what does it say? Isaiah 50, uh, let's see, is it 55? I want to go there. I think it's 55. I just come across my mind. I mean, even know sometimes things come across your mind. Verse 1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come and buy, yea, and eat. Yea, come and buy wine without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that satisfies not? Hearken diligently to me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your... What is that word? Souls? Wow. Delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, come in here, and your souls shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. What is that? That's the new covenant we got with David through Christ. Ho, everyone that thirsts come and buy. Without money, without price. What does the word buy mean? Exchange. Barter. Exchange. Come in exchange without price or without money. Is that good? So see, there is an exchange. But God's, God always, everything he asks of you, he'll give to you. It's an exchange. And that's, that's what he's saying here. And he says, and, and behold, I have given him. Now, who is this? Talking of Christ, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader, a commander of the people, and behold, thou shalt call a nation thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run to thee because of the Lord thy God and the Holy One of Israel, for he will be glorified. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Then it goes on down, what? Let the wicked forsake his ways and unman his thoughts and return to the Lord, and he will have mercy, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways. How many of you know the kingdom doesn't operate by the same principles the world operates by? What does success in the world tell you? He that works the hardest wins. What does it say in the kingdom? He that believes wins. There is no other standard. He that believes. Good master, John 6, 29. Good master, 28 and 29. Good master, what must we do to do the works of God? This is the work of God, he says, that you believe on me whom he sent. The work of God totally is to believe on Jesus, what he's done. Right? Now, Revelation 2.26 goes with this. He that overcometh and keepeth my works, will I make what? A pillar in the kingdom of my God. Whose works are we keeping? His. He said, I know your works, I know your works, but that's not important. He says, the key is keeping my works, what I've done for you. It's understanding my works that makes everything work in this thing, not what you do. You with me? So see, it's this exchange life is the only way we can ever get here. And so you see that. Who is that faithful and wise servant who the Lord make rule over his household to give them what? Meat in due season. That's agape. And so we see that, that God has moving us that way. And he says here, uh, he says, uh, in in. He goes on and said to them what? Over here. 
There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Isn't that what he said? You shall be cast out and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I couldn't help but thinking, you know the scriptures that talks in Revelation about the tears. There'll be tears in heaven. He'll wipe away all tears. And there was a space of about 30 minutes where there's weeping. You know what? I really think the only judgment that we as Christians will set through, because what? Some men sin go on forward to judgment and others follow after. If you're in the book, there's no judgment for as that's concerned. But I think one of these days we're going to see what he hadn't planned for us. We're going to see the plans that I have for you. And I think the tears, a lot of the tears is going to be from us falling short of what he had planned for us. But he's going to wipe all those tears away. You know, but, you know, that's, that is what he's saying. They'll be weeping and gnashing the teeth when we miss his best for us. You know, Wigglesworth said, Freddie read it this morning, there's God's plans are good and there's, there's some that's acceptable and there's some that's perfect. But how many of you know we want God's perfect will for our life? Yes. We don't want to just settle for what's good enough. And because, you know, that day, one of these days, every man's works are going to be made manifest by the fire and, and the, it's going to test every man's work, whether it's wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, and precious stones. And he said, if a man's works abide, he'll receive a reward. But if they burn up, he'll suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved yet as by fire. And we've said here, and it's, that started out by saying, no other foundation can any man lay than that which Christ has laid. If you build on this foundation, and what is that foundation? In Isaiah 53, spirit, soul, and body. You lay the right foundation and you build from there with the exchange life and you're building on gold, silver, and precious stones. But when you start trying to build a foundation based on you, self, the old man, there's going to be a lot of smoking going on. You know, and I said, well, and I've said this many times, a pastor like me, I could work 40 years in the ministry doing what I'm doing to get your acceptance, to your approval and everything else. So I look good. So I look good, feel good, smell good, taste good, be in control. And everything I've done for 40 years, I'll watch it go up in smoke. Not that I didn't do something good, but all of it was for a wrong motive. For something and because, instead of because of something. You see the difference? It all sorts back into the motive. What is the motive for doing it? Is it, is it selfish or is it of God's heart? We have a choice because he's given us his heart. All right. We have two choices. And I'll probably shut down with this. We have two choices. You know, what's the scripture it says? Woe unto those that call evil good and to good, good evil, that set darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe unto those that tries to change the order. We're living in a world that's trying to tell you homosexuality is okay, living together is okay, abortion's okay, everything's okay. But you try to preach what's right and they, they get all bent out of shape. Evil's good and good's evil. Woe unto them that do that. That's what's happening around you. And you got two choices. First, you can conform your desires to the truth. Or second, you can conform the truth to your desires. You have a choice. And the world's trying to conform your, the truth to your desires. But you need to conform your desires to the truth. Because you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. And that's what's going on around you. You remember when Jesus said in Luke 22, when he was talking to, they, they came and he told his disciples, he said, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? No. He said, now if you got an extra coat, you go buy it and get your sword. Why? Because this is, what did he say? This is the hour of the, of the power of darkness. All right. 
I struggled with that for a lot of years until I realized what he was saying here. He said, if you've got a sword, you better go buy it. Because Isaiah 53, 12 says he was numbered with the transgressors. He said, when I called you and sent you out, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. But now, I'm going to become one of you. He was numbered with the transgressors. He said, for a short moment, Isaiah 54, for a small moment have I forsaken you. Because I can't be here to protect you. You're going to have to protect yourself for a little while. Because he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sins of many. So he said, if you got us money, you better buy a sword and you better buy you something to eat for a while. Till I can get these three days behind me, then we'll set it up again. He didn't say that, but that's where he was going. But he said, it's the hour of your darkness. When he told them to take me, he says, this is your hour of darkness, your appointed time. So you do what you got to do. Oswald Chambers said, you may talk about the nobility of the human nature, but there's something in human nature that will laugh in the face of every ideal you have. Let me read that again. You may talk about the nobility of your human nature, but there's something in your human nature which will laugh in the face of every ideal you have. There is a self-seeking something working against us. Instead Instead of resisting it, sometimes we give in to it and don't resist it. There's something inside of you The Bible says that your old natural man, your old natural mind is hostile towards God. It's not subject to God, and it never will be. That's why we have to have an exchange mind. Amen? Because it's it's working in every one of you. Every one of us have that thing working in us that tries to resist us. You know, I thought about the prodigal son. You've heard this thing preached, I don't know how many different ways, and we'll hear it preached more. But basically, in every one of us, there's an elder brother and a prodigal son. The prodigal son come back to the father and said, I've wasted it. And the father said, bring the best robe, bring the shoes, bring everything I got. That's standing by grace. And they had a party. But the elder brother was out in the field all these years I've served you and you never gave me anything. There is something in every, in every one of us resisting the grace of God. Yes. It's hostile to the grace of God. It's not subject to the grace of God and it never will be. And it will fight you on every area. Trying, Yeah, but you got to do this. You got to do that. So we all have the prodigal, we have the elder brother working in us, trying to keep us from what? The party the Father has for us. Amen? That's just life. When they come in and said, you sowed these good seeds, where's these tares coming from? Oh, the enemy did that. What did he say? Well, get your hoe and sharpen it up and get out there and chop them all up. You know what he said? Don't lose any sleep over it. Just go to bed. Just let them grow together till the harvest. Then the angels are going to do the separating. Just go have a nap. Now, I'm telling you what, rest in your position of peace. Don't worry about all that stuff, but just watch when it starts trying to pull you over there. Remember the Swiffer commercial, Baby Come Back? That's what all this stuff is always trying to do. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Baby, come back. But what? You're to bring into captivity every thought. Do you know what this, this uh, walking in the exchange, the new life, it's not all bed of roses. Because the first time you have choices to make. Before you just went that way. And then, then prayed and asked God to cover it. But now you got to walk in the new life. All of a sudden you see this thing coming and you have a decision. And you know what I just use? I don't have to go that way no more. I don't have to get mad and pout for weeks, do I, Jenna? 
That's the way I was raised. If I didn't get my way, I pouted. Now when I don't get my way, I still don't like it. But I choose not to go that way. And I just get over it. Oh, you out there. Hallelujah, she says. Praise God for the exchange life. And you know what I found? All that pouting and all that didn't hurt nobody but me. Give me a amen out there. Oh, Lord. You want to live in unforgiveness? Like one guy said, it's like drinking poison expecting somebody else to die. You want unforgiveness in your life? Go ahead. Have a dose of poison. It ain't going to hurt nobody but you. I'll drink to that. Well, I'm going to stop right there. We'll finish this. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we ask you to help us to see the battle that's set before us. Lord, you told us to put on the whole armor of God, and there was a reason for it. Take that shield of faith so we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked when they come, because they will come. And you said build your house up on, a, on a solid rock foundation because the storm and the rains will come to every house alike. But Lord, we understand that we're, not look, we're looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And Father, we thank you that you've chosen us to be a good soldier in this battle. And Lord, we know one thing, that you spoiled principalities and powers and made a show over them openly. And you came, what? Scripture says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then you told us, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Why are we here? To destroy the works of the devil. And Father, we thank you that you've given us power and authority over all the works of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. So Father, we thank you for your power and your authority and your dominion in Jesus' name to walk this life that you've called us to walk in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Some of you need to go.